Well, I hope you all had a very Merry Christmas yesterday and enjoyed some quality family time. And it's great to see everyone here today. And as we continue, as we close out uh, the books on this message series, Finding Joy. But I also want to encourage you that you be back with us next week. Next week we have a really uh, special service prepared for you called Recharge. Um, you know, it's just a chance before we, as we get into the new year, to recharge our spiritual selves, our batteries, everything that it is, as we get through, as we prepare to walk through what next year holds for us. And then the following week we start a new series called Impact 2022 that will carry us through January. I really hope that you come and be a part of that and think of someone that you can invite to bring with you as we explore what we believe God's calling us to as a church, but also what, you, what we believe God may be calling you individually and personally as well in your spiritual journey. So I hope that you come and join us because God's on the move and there's some exciting stuff on the horizon. But right now, let's just pray as we prepare our hearts and our minds for this message. Father in heaven, in this moment we come to you and we just seek you. And Lord, I just help, help, uh, ask that you open up the doors to your understanding. Help us to hear you more clearly. Help us to see you um, in a more focused way. And Lord, just wipe away any defensiveness that we may have. And whatever we brought into this place, whether it was good or bad, a, um, a, a happy thought or a broken heart, Lord, we just lay it at your feet so that we can experience you in all your glory. It's in your name we pray. Amen. You know, what makes you rejoice? I mean, what makes you so excited that you're driving down the parkway, singing to the tunes, and you don't care who sees you driving by, you're just belting it out. What makes you rejoice? I mean, you remember the old kid's song that you, you probably sang at some point, if you're happy and you know it? Oh my goodness, the first service guys beat you. They, come on. Let's hear it. I heard one over here. Let's hear it. If you're happy and you know it, there, you guys, come on, we're, come on. We're excited today. It's a new day. Let's try it one more time. If you're happy and you know it, clap your hand. All right, there we go. Slowly but surely we will wake up. Hey. But well, we used to sing that song all the time. And when I was a kid, I'd go through all the motions and, and jump around and have fun with it. But let's be honest, sometimes we sing that song. If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. But guess what? We're singing the words, but in our heart, it's just not there. 
In our heart, it's like, I just don't have it. There's just nothing in my life right now worth rejoicing about. There's nothing I'm excited about. And so often, I think we're just broken down by life and we struggle with the ability to rejoice. You know, life is this constant pursuit of happiness. If I can just get to this certain point, then I'll be happy. Maybe if I get to this college or if I finally get the bigger house or I get this job or this promotion or if I have this relationship or, or this lifestyle, then I will be happy. And, and I think the world gets us to buy into this idea that if I just get to this point, then, I will be, then I'll be happy. And we find ourselves in this pursuit of our own happiness. But oftentimes when we get to that place, wherever it may be, it's not what it was uh, sold to be. It's not what's cracked up to be. We're not happy in the way we thought we'd be happy. And we just struggle with rejoicing. And we try to find more in our pursuit of our own personal happiness. But what really makes you rejoice? And what just makes you, yeah, that's it. That's happiness. That's joy. There's one story in the birth story of Jesus that we didn't talk about yet that as we kind of close the door on this message series, I, want, I didn't want to overlook. I, I think there's a really important story with the shepherds. You know, here the shepherds were told, their story was told about in Luke chapter 2. And these shepherds, they were just ordinary guys doing their ordinary thing, hanging out in the fields and just kind of doing their job. When an angel showed up. And in Luke chapter 2, we see their story. And they're just out there in the field. It's a, it's a typical night, dark sky. The, sh- the stars are bright. Maybe they're counting the stars or seeing what's going on. And as, as I read their story, I'm left to often wonder. My mind tends to wander when I read the stories. As I try to understand the actual people, their actual feelings, their actual situations that they're dealing with. And here I am reading their story of the shepherds. And I often wonder... What was their life like in this moment? What was really going on? I mean, was it, was it a good day in the office or was it a bad day? Were they arguing or were they kind of talk, telling jokes? Were they kind of worried about what was going to happen tomorrow? Or did they have a party that they were just couldn't wait to get to? What was going on in their life? What was the topic of their conversations? What were their hopes, their dreams? What in that moment in their life were they pursuing that they felt, if I get here, I will be happy? They were just doing their normal stuff. Then, in the normalcy of their life, in their office setting, in a beautiful night sky, with, it was all darkened just with the stars shining, an angel appeared. And the Bible says not only did the angel appear, but the glory of God shone around them. I mean, so often I think we read over these stories and we miss the magnitude of the moment. The reality of what just happened right now. We think, oh, that's kind of cool, an angel showed up. No, an angel did not just show up. An angel showed up and the glory of the Lord shone around them. You know, when you read the Bible in Revelation, it talks about what heaven's going to be like. And heaven's this place that God's glory shines all through heaven. There is no light, there's no uh, street lamps, nothing like that in heaven. Why? Because the Bible says God's glory illuminates all of heaven. 
then God's glory is the light, and it's brighter than any star or sun or light that you've ever seen in this whole world. And in that moment, the angel showed up, and the Bible says the glory of the Lord shone all around them. All of a sudden, they've seen the brightest of lights that they've ever seen in their whole life, and they were terrified. What is happening? I'm in the presence of God. And then the Bible says that the angel started to talk to them. And there sitting in that moment, the angel says, don't be afraid. I'm bringing you something today. I'm bringing you something that's going to bring you great joy. Joy like you've never experienced before. Something beyond you, your greatest imagination is happening right now. This news will cause you great joy. That Messiah, the Messiah, the Messiah who J Isaiah talked about 700 years ago that you've learned about in all your Sunday school classes. Yeah, that guy, he is coming now. He's being born right now as we speak. And he is in Bethlehem. And this is how you will know who he is. He will be the baby wrapped in cloths in a manger. You see, so often I think we always read that story. And we have a tendency to read that story. We think, oh, that's kind of cool. But aren't they like down at the baby unit? And aren't all the babies kind of wrapped up in cloths and in some sort of a manger? I mean, what's the big deal? Oh, there's the baby that's in a white cloth versus a pink cloth. I mean, what was the big deal? But see, we missed the magnitude of the moment, what was going on. When the angel told him that the baby will be in a manger wrapped in cloths, I can only imagine the shepherd's eyes just got wide-eyed and huge because they knew exactly what the angel was talking about. You see, going back in the Old Testament to follow the law, and the practices, when they would bring sacrifices to the temple in order to make themselves right before God, they would have to bring the perfect lamb, the perfect sheep, to the temple to be sacrificed. And so when the perfect sheep was born, they had to protect it. Why? Because if it had a broken bone, any blemish, any defect, they could no longer bring this perfect sheep, perfect lamb, to the sacrifice. So when they had the perfect sheep, they would wrap it in cloths to protect it, and they put it to the side to protect it so nothing would happen to it because that sheep was perfect without defect and need to be used for sacrifices to make themselves right before God. And all throughout the prophecies of the Old Testament, we see them say, one day the perfect lamb will come to us to be our Messiah. So when the angels told the shepherds, hey, the Messiah has come, he's in Bethlehem, in a manger, he's wrapped up in cloths, all of a sudden they just realize, oh my, he's here. The perfect lamb has arrived. And there they were. In that moment. The glory of the Lord shining around them. And as soon as the angel said that. The Bible then says. All of the heavenly hosts came down. And began to sing praise in God. Just imagine. They got their first glimpse of the reality of heaven. 
that's described in Revelation. In that moment, heaven came down to earth. You see, when you go to Revelation and you read the stories of what heaven will be like, it talks about all the heavenly hosts will be up there in heaven singing to praises to God. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. It will be the most beautiful choir you've ever heard in your whole entire life. And in that moment, in their normal office space, in that field in the middle of nowhere, heaven came down to meet the shepherds in all of its splendor. And they saw with their very own eyes the splendor and the reality of heaven as it was coming down to earth in the form of this baby in a manger that was wrapped up in cloth to signify the Lamb of God, the perfect Lamb of God, has arrived. And then there they were. In all the glory and splendor of God Almighty. And just like that, all the glory of God went back up to heaven. And just like that, the nice guy was back, the stars were back, and there they were left in the field. And I can just imagine, as you read this story, then they, then they begin to look at each other. Did, you, did, did we just see what we saw? Uh, did, Johnny O, did you see that? Did you, do you know what that is? You know, is that real, was that really him? Was that really God? Is that, is that who I think it was? Was I dreaming? Pinch me, pinch me. Was, is that, was that God? I can only imagine their excitement in that moment. And then they said, we got to go to Bethlehem. We need to go to Bethlehem. we got to go right now. Because we need to find out if what they said was true. We need to find out, is the baby really there? Is the Lamb of God really here? We have to go. We need to see if what the angel said is true. You see, my friends, the Bible is always true. And so often I think we wrestle with, is, God, is what God says is true? Well, here's a test. The Bible says, test me and I will show myself to you. When God says something, when God says something will happen, it happens exactly the way he says it would. And so often I think we follow things of this world that are partially true. And we, we, if we're acknowledged, if we're honest with ourselves, it's like, well, it's kind of true. If it's of God, it's 100%. It's 100%. And so the shepherds are like, we got to get to Bethlehem to see, is it real? And they made their way to Bethlehem. And the Bible says that they saw Mary and Joseph. And they started to see things are adding up, just like the angel said. Here we are. There's the manger. Ma manger. No, there's, there's the manger. Oh, my. There he is. Wrapped in cloths, just like the angel said. There he is. The perfect Lamb of God. We just saw heaven come down in all of God's glory. And here we see all of God's glory revealed in this baby boy. The Savior of the world, the Messiah, he's right here. And then the Bible says from that moment on, in Luke chapter 2, verse 20, the shepherds then returned back to their fields, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. In this moment, they found their ability to rejoice because their pursuit of happiness brought them to this place of complete joy, which was the baby wrapped in cloths in this manger. There they found the completion of their joy. They saw truth. They saw hope revealed. And they found joy. The shepherds had an experience that changed their outlook on life forever. Then there's us today. 
let's just be honest. I never had experience like that. I never had an experience where God's glory just all of a sudden, whoa, all around me. And maybe you haven't either. And I think so often, I think we really wrestle in our faith journey with God because we read stories like the shepherds or we read stories like Moses in the Old Testament when God did all these wonders and signs through him to, to free, this, free his people from the Egyptian rule. And we're thinking, well, I've never seen God work like that. I mean, is he really real? Is he really who he says he is? I mean, I, there's days I go by and I'm just messed up by the world. I'm beaten down by life and I just wonder, where are you, God? You ever feel like that? If we're honest, I think we probably all have at some point. Maybe multiple points in our life. Maybe some of you are feeling that right now. You know, I think sometimes our struggle is we question the most important faith question we all wrestle with. God, are you there? Are you really there? You know, can I really believe what your Bible says? How can I really believe what you say? I mean, because I don't see you like the shepherd saw you. I don't see you like Moses saw you. How can I really believe that you are there? And, I, and we struggle with that. And we expect God to come in big ways with big sounds of thunder and lightning and stars and, and bright lights and all that different stuff. When more often than not, God for us doesn't show up in the bright lights and all the, all the, all the heavy lifting, lifting of the thunder and lightning. He comes in the gentle breeze. And sometimes we miss him. You see, oftentimes God encounters us in the normalcy of our day-to-day. That's where he encounters us. That's where he visits us. You know, in the Old Testament, there was the prophet Elijah. Maybe you've heard about him. Maybe you've read some of his story. But there's a part in his story where he was just completely beaten down with life. In this moment, he was broken He was broken to the core. He's broken to the core because everybody turned on him. Those who were once his friends were no longer his friends. Those who once said, Elijah, we've got your back no matter what. Not only did they not have his back anymore, but they were trying to run him out and destroy him. Nobody was there for him anymore. He was left completely alone. And there he was in the cave on the side of a mountain, completely broken, pleading out to God, God, if you can just end it. I mean, why should I even live anymore? Just take me now. I don't want to live anymore because I don't have, my friends aren't there. No one's by my side. I mean, why should I even go through this life anymore if all you have for me is nothing and, and you left me broken? Where are you, God? That was Elijah. Have you been there? I have. Many times that broken part of our journey, and we just cry out to God, and we feel like we're just throwing these prayers out there, and it's just going to emptiness. But there was Elijah, feeling alone, lost, confused, and broken. But he was seeking God. And we talked about this many times over the past couple weeks, and that is this truth. The Bible says when we seek God with all of our heart, we will find him. And there Elijah, all by himself, broken to the core, on the mountainside, cr- 
crying out to God, found his presence. But it wasn't the way that he expected God to show up. Look, what, look how it's written in 1 Kings 19, verses 11 through 12. So he said, the angel who was talking to him, go forth and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord was passing by. And a great and strong wind was, remi- was rending the mountains and breaking into pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a sound of a gentle blowing. A gentle breeze. And there was the presence of God. You know, I think sometimes we struggle with rejoicing. Sometimes we struggle with the big question, God, where are you? Because we struggle with our expectations of God. You see, oftentimes, I think we have expectations of who God should be to us and how he should show up for us. And then when our expectations of how God should show up for us clashes with how God is actually working in our life, they just clash. And then also, before you know it, we get frustrated with God and we start to question God, where are you when all along he was in the gentle breeze? He wasn't in the earthquake. He wasn't in the fire. He wasn't in the bolts of lightning or thunder. He was by our side all the time. All the time. And that's what he was showing to Elijah. You know, so often because we have these expectations of how God should show up, and then we're only looking for him based upon our own expectations of how he should show up, it causes us to miss his ever-subtle presence and how he's by our side in the normalcy of our everyday life. When you're at work, God is there. When you're at home, God is there. When you're walking alone on the streets, God is the one who's walking beside you. And our ability to rejoice so often gets missed and messed up because of our expectations that we put on God that cause us to miss out on the reality of of his presence. And sometimes in order for us to be able to fully rejoice, we just need to stop and experience the presence of God. Because he is there. He is there. He always was there. And the problem is we often miss it because we just don't notice him. We don't notice him. You know, there's an old poem. I'm sure you've heard of it, and I'm sure you've read it probably numerous times. It's called Footprints. And this poem is a, is a, is a story about this person who's having a dream. And their, their dream is taking them through different scenes of their life. And each scene is kind of highlighted by these footprints in the sand on the beach. And one set of footprints is theirs, and one set of footprints represents God, Jesus, walking beside them. But then as the poem goes on, they start to realize, you know, in my most difficult days, in my darkest of moments, there's only one set of footprints. God, you said you would always be by me every step of the way. But when I needed you most, look, you weren't there. And in the poem, that's when God says... My child, those are the moments I was carrying you. You see, so often I think we miss out on God because we expect him to show up in a certain way when all along, he's the one carrying us. He is the gentle breeze in the noise of this world. You know, a couple weeks ago, 
I encourage you to really think about how God blesses you every day. So often we get so busy with everything we need to do throughout the day, the things we want to get done or the things we feel we need to get done. And we get, we start to, we, our days have become so rushed and so focused on what needs to be done next that we don't take a step back and just stop and know that he is God. Know that his, he's right there. Know that his presence is right with us. And I encourage you, and I want to encourage you again, that if you haven't done that yet, to really start doing it as we go into the new year. Keep a journal log of all the ways that God has blessed you every single day, from the big things to the little things. For example, yesterday, hey, we got to hang out as a family. Hey, yesterday, I got to see my relative who I haven't seen in months. You know, yesterday we had a hot meal together. You know, from the little things to the big things, keep a journal log daily of the ways that God is blessing you. And you might think, well, Bill, what's the big deal? Because down the road, when your dark days come, and they will, those moments when you question God, where are you? Because you will again. You can go back and open that blessing log and say, hey, look how he came. I forgot about that. That friend who I didn't talk to in years, at the right time, that friend called me. What a blessing that was. You know, my family who I didn't get to see all year because of COVID, we had a hot meal together yesterday. Whatever it may be, write those blessings. Count them one by one and see how God is working in your life through a gentle breeze every day. Every day. The gentle breeze of God is right by your side. And I think so often we overlook the reality of his presence all the time. Because we're more focused on what we feel we need to do or gots to do that we miss out on the reality of him. He's right there working all the time. And that should give us the ability to rejoice. You know, his letter to the Philippians, Paul writes about this need and this journey to find in our heart to rejoice even in the darkest and in difficult days. In Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 9, the Apostle Paul writes these words. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think of such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. I think some of you guys might need to go grab your Bibles and circle and highlight those last words. And the God of peace will be with you. I think so often if you're like me, you go through life, life beats you down, and you forget the promise the God of peace is with you. He was with the shepherds. He was with Moses. He was with Elijah when he was completely broken on that mountainside. And he's with you every single day. Coming in the gentle breeze. Don't miss his presence. And I think we have an opportunity if we just slow down and stop to experience him. He will reveal himself to us. Just like he did for Elijah. And so many others throughout the scripture and all throughout history. 
You see, Paul said to, to, to experience him, to experience the presence of God, we need to know that the Lord is near. He is always there. You know, the Bible teaches us that God is omnipresent. Now, that's just a whole big fancy word, but this, what it means is this. God is everywhere all the time. Is that crazy? Every moment of every single day, God is everywhere all throughout this world and all the universe. His presence is everywhere in every moment. He's at your home and he's at my home. That can be amazing and that can be pretty scary too when you think about it. Yeah, God knows what you're doing. And God loves you and he cares about you. He is everywhere. And sometimes it's, it's hard to fully understand how God will, will make, work things out. But he is all powerful. The Bible says not only is he everywhere all the time, but he's also all powerful. Which means he can take care of whatever it is you're dealing with. Whatever struggles you're going through, whatever hardships you have, whatever relational issues you have. He says, I am the one you can just give it to and I will take care of it. Yet I think so often we wrestle with that. We wrestle with that because we get so locked in with what we're dealing with that we don't see how God might be able to come through and how he can take care of us. But God says, give me all your prayer requests. That's what Paul wrote. Present all your requests to God. And then he says, we need to gain the ability to rejoice by turning our anxious thoughts over to him. My friends, let's just be honest for a second. Every one of us struggles in some way with anxiety. Every one of us, whether it's major or little, every one of us struggles with something I'm worried about, something I'm afraid about, something I'm concerned with, how will it turn out, how will it end up. Every one of us struggles, struggles with anxiety. And Paul says, give all your anxious thoughts to him. The God who's everywhere all the time, who is all-powerful, give this to him. But we say, God, I don't think you can deal with it. I don't think you can make it right. I don't think you can take this away. I don't think you can heal this. But the God we serve who is all-powerful is the God who the Bible says can move mountains. The Bible says that this God is the God who can make what is impossible possible. But we still struggle with our anxious thoughts. We live in the reality of the fears and the mental anguish that we have in our minds. Every day, me too, we're all in the same boat. I mean, get in my head, guys. This is a scary place. And maybe yours is sometimes too. But God says, give me your, your anxious thoughts. Whatever you're concerned about, whatever you're afraid about, whatever you're worried about, give it to me. But I think we struggle because we just don't see the, we don't see the possibilities through our limited view of impossibilities. We kind of live in our own box of our thoughts. And our thoughts consume us and oftentimes control us. And it causes us to not even be able to vision what God says. We say, I can't even see, God, how you can work that out. You're calling me to live this way. I don't see how you can make that possible. You're calling me to do this. I don't see how you can make it happen. You tell me that you can take care of this and, and, and change this situation in my life. No way. Impossible. And so often we live in the, in the realm of our own, our own anxious and, and broken thoughts that we miss out on what God does. And we say, God, not possible. 
But Paul wrote that this God that I serve and that you walk with and that you serve, he is the God's, he's the provider of all things good. And his peace, Paul said, transcends all understanding. You see, we limit God to our own thoughts when God says, hey, I'm bigger than that. I'm bigger than that. I created everything. I designed everything. Will you just trust me? And I am so much bigger than you could ever imagine. So stop trying to limit me to what you think I can do. Because I'm bigger than what you think. I'm greater than what you can imagine. So don't put me in the box of your own mind. I work outside that. And Paul says, this God of peace who transcends all of our understanding will guard your hearts and your minds. He says, you need to give him your anxious thoughts. There are too many of us that are absolutely held captive because of the war in our own minds. Because of the fears that we have in our hearts. And God says, I want to complete my joy in you. I want to I give you my peace. But you need to give me something. Give me your heart. And give me your thoughts. Just give it to me. I'll take care of it. I'll take care of it. And Paul said, he will be there by our side. And because of this, Paul said, we need to put our thoughts towards him. Think on things that are admirable and peace and loving and good and excellent and praiseworthy and noble. He says, put your thoughts towards these things, all these things that are God, and put his ways into practice. I think so often we struggle with that because like, God, give me your blessings. Just kind of take away my anxious thoughts, but let me have my life. He says, no, no, no. The more you try to live in the realm of what you want, of your expectations, of your own desires, of your own heart, of your own way of thinking, guess what? All you're going to experience is more of you. I don't know about you, but I've tried that. God doesn't work out too well. But God says, if you really want to experience me and all that I have, my joy, my peace, my love, my care for you, Stop trying to live in the box of you. And walk with me. Come join me over here. Because when you come over here and step outside of your box, then you will experience more and more of me. Then you will see the joy I have for you. The peace I want to give you in your life. And can I just tell you something? When we make that step, there's great benefits in experiencing God in all of his splendor and all of his glory. You know, experiencing God, first of all, provides contentment. Contentment in our heart. And let's just be honest, being content is a hard place to be. It's a hard place to get to because we live in a world that ingrains our hearts and our minds to not be satisfied, to not be happy, to not be content. Because this pursuit of happiness that the world leads us towards is all about what more can I get for me? And then when we get to whatever it is that we claim, now I will be happy, guess what? It doesn't last. We're not content. We want more and we're never satisfied. 
satisfied. And the ability or inability to be content all comes down to what you are pursuing. Are you pursuing yourself or the happiness that the world provides, or are you pursuing Jesus? There's a difference. And the more you try to pursue yourself or the world and your expectations so I can live in this box within my own thoughts and my minds of the way things should be, the less satisfied you're going to be in life. The less joy you will have long term. But when you come over here and you walk with him, put your thoughts towards him and walk with him, you find the ability to be content. Paul put it this way in verse 11 of Philippians 4. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. Good days and bad days. When I have a lot or when I have absolutely nothing, Paul says, I'm content. Why? Because this world's not my home. This world's not my goal. This world is not my gain. See, we achieve contentment because we know God, the provider of all good things, gives us exactly what we want when we need it. And he always takes care of us. That's hard, though. Let's just be honest. I wrestle with that. Maybe you do, too. Because I want God to show up now in my time the way I want him to show up. It goes back to that expectation stuff. You know, my expectations of how God should show up. And we wrestle with that, don't we? Because we want God now the way we want him and the way we want things answered. But so often, God doesn't show up like that. He takes his time. I'm not a patient person. But you know why he takes his time? Because his showing up is a journey for us. It's a journey of trust. Because I think in that journey of God coming to show up for us, he's ultimately revealing to us life's most greatest um, lesson. And that is this. This journey is about, I don't know how tomorrow will unfold. I don't know what will happen. I don't know how the situation will take care of itself. All I know is this. I'm not in control. He is. I trust him. And he'll take care of my needs. May not get me all I want, but he takes care of my needs. You see, God shows up just in the right time. So what does that mean? He shows up just in the right time that we learn our lesson of trust. And for me, sometimes that's a long road. Because <laughs> I'm a knucklehead. But you know what? God shows up just at the right time when we realize my box isn't good enough. My box isn't complete and leaves me broken. But he always, always delivers. He always delivers. And in him, I always find joy. You know, contentment is not found in the pursuit of my own self or my own happiness, but through the pursuit of him. That's where complete joy is. The other benefit that he provides when we experience him is he provides strength. He provides us his strength. Do you know where Paul was when he wrote this letter? He was in prison. And this wasn't any just average prison. I mean, he was in a jail cell that was completely confined in the Roman territory. 
And, and this jail cell was not big. He, he probably had, had just enough room to kind of maybe step this way and this way. And he was chained up. And he asked for his papyrus and his pen. And he grabbed it. And he probably just had enough room to kind of work his elbow over to write these words in this broken state. He didn't know what tomorrow was going to bring. He was not having a great day locked up in this chain cell. His body was aching. His mind was tired. And he wrote, I am content. I have complete joy because my home is not here. My gain is Christ. And then in a broken, confined state, he wrote these words in Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. So in that moment, Paul was saying, listen, I'm a broken man physically. Tomorrow, they may put me to death. But I can do all things through him who gives me strength. See, Paul wasn't talking about a football game or a soccer match. He was talking about the realities of life. No matter what this world throws at me, no matter how beat down I may get because of this world, no matter how many people turn their back on me who said they would always be there for me, no matter what, I have strength. Why? Because of him. When I try to lean on my strength, I always fall. Every time. But he's my source of strength to get through that no matter what I may face tomorrow, I can keep walking forward. Why? Because of him. I can't live in my box anymore. Because my box just kind of fills more up with my anxious thoughts and worries and concerns and it just beats me down. And then I start to wonder, where is God? When all along, he was in the gentle breeze all the time. If I can just give my anxious thoughts to him, put my thoughts over to him and just walk with him, I will experience him more and more. You see, our ability to rejoice ultimately comes down to who we trust and who we follow. No matter what you're going through, whether it's a good time or a rocky time in your life right now, God's been always there in the gentle breeze. Will you just trust him? Will you just walk with him? And I promise you, you'll experience him more and more every day of your life. Let's pray together. Father, you've always been there, always by our side. And Lord, I know for me so often, I get so broken by what I'm dealing with or so hurt or confused or worried or consumed or anxious. But Lord God, I just give it all to you. Lord, may we all just give our anxious thoughts to you. That right now, we just may know that in the gentle breeze, you are there. And may every day we see the blessings that you provide to us. That it may give us encouragement that when tomorrow throws its nastiness at us, we can trust that you are still there. And Lord God, as we trust you, as we give you our anxious thoughts, and as we follow you, may we just experience you more and more. Lord, we praise you for who you are. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.